Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world today. I'm greeting you in the name of Jesus Christ, and I welcome you to Wow, What a Show. All the heavens do declare the glory of God. Day unto day utters speech, and the uh, firmament shows forth his glory. Night unto night, of course, uh, shows his knowledge. Every day God's performance is evident. We see the power of God at work, right? The whole world is upheld by the power of his word. And we are recipients of his grace and his goodness. One more time, this is Wow, What a Show. I am Phyllis, the host. And Wow, What a Show is the live podcast of Rehoboth Institute of the Arts. <clears throat> We're so glad you've come to join us. And uh, we are in a series titled Apples of Gold. These apples of gold are the Proverbs of Solomon. And the Lord's wisdom, as he has spoken it to him, has been left for all, all of us to gather from, to learn from, to know. And we are reading. We've had such a good, good time doing this. As a matter of fact, it has been so meaningful. And I got to tell you that reading the Proverbs aloud with others to comment on has been so much more a process for my own learning than ever before. Like I usually read my Bible to myself alone and I gather a great deal from the Lord when I do that. It's a good fellowship. However, this time, I think maybe because there are so many of them, I have been so very blessed to read them aloud and to have um, others comment, make comments on them. We've had several readers and uh, we've been really blessed with their diligence and helping us to understand. So today I shall be reading from chapter 17. Today is July 17th. And of course, there are 31 days in the month, 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And each date corresponds to the chapter we are reading. So welcome to Light, Light Touch. She's a faithful servant, one who is going with us on this full journey. And I'm so thankful for that. So I'm going to read through Proverbs 17. And um, hopefully, yeah, hi there. Hopefully, right? I can just get through them. But what I really wanted to do was have each listener pay attention to the reading as I call the verse numbers. And if it is a verse that particularly captures your own attention or it seems to speak to you or you want explained, then if you would just text back to me in the chat that very point of the, the uh, chapter number, then we could talk about those. Alrighty, so we're on our way. Here we go. Chapter 17. Better a dry crust with peace than a house full of feasting with strife. That's number one. Number two, a wise servant will rule over a disgraceful son and share an inheritance among brothers. Three, a crucible is for silver and a smelter for gold, but the Lord is a tester of hearts. Verse four, 
A wicked person listens to malicious talk. A liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. Verse 5. The one who mocks the poor insults his maker, and one who rejoices over disaster will not go unpunished. Verse 6. Grandchildren are the crown of the elderly, and the pride of sons is their fathers. Verse 7. Excessive speech is not appropriate on a fool's lips. How much worse are lies for a ruler. Verse 8. A bribe seems like a magic stone to its owner. Wherever he turns, he succeeds. Verse 9. Whoever conceals an offense promotes love, but whosoever gossips about it separates friends. Verse 10. A rebuke cuts into a perceptive person more than a hundred lashes into a fool. And verse 21, I mean 11. An evil man seeks only rebellion. A cruel messenger will be sent against him. 12. Better for a man to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool in his foolishness. 13. If anyone returns evil for good, evil will never depart from his house. 14. To start a conflict is to release a flood. Stop the dispute before it breaks out. 15. Acquitting the guilty and condemning the just. Both are detestable to the Lord. 16. What does a fool have money in his hand? Why does a fool have money in his hand with no intention of buying wisdom? 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a difficult time. 18. One without sense enters an agreement and puts up security for his friends. 19. One who loves to offend loves strife. One who builds a high threshold invites injury. Verse 20. One with a twisted mind will not succeed. And one who with deceitful speech will fall into ruin. Verse 21, a man fathers a fool to his own sorrow. The father of a fool has no joy. Welcome Daniel into our studio. Verse 20, uh, let's see which 20, 20, 22. A joy heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. 23, a wicked man secretly takes a bribe to subvert the course of justice. 24, wisdom is the focus of the perceptive, but a fool's eyes roam to the ends of the earth. 25, a foolish son is grief to his father and bitterness to the one who bore him. 26, it is certainly not good to find an innocent person or to beat a noble for his honesty. 27. The intelligent person restrains his words and one who keeps a cool head is a man of understanding. 28. Even a fool is considered wise when he keeps silent, discerning when he seals his lips. Well, there we have it. All 28 verses. And these are definitely 
a repetition of many of the things we have already uh, shared. And, and the thing is, right, that when we are, when we are reading the Proverbs, we do should indeed notice that they are repetitions of the same theme. And in the, the new proverb on the same theme, there will be a little change, just a bit of a twist. And so we are finding that we are going deeper into understanding the fullness of each of these things. Um, and so when we go back, you know, to talk about them, we want to kind of make that distinction. However, to do that, we would have to keep a log of every theme <laughs> and then every proverb under that. And one day we might do that, just go through the proverbs theme by theme. In the meanwhile, when we're listening to them being read, I think that if your ear would catch the theme and you will consider your own way with regards to whatever that particular twist is on that particular proverb. So we start again um, with this idea that um, to have peace is better than a house full of, you know, partying and and uh, conflict. That's what verse one says. Really, better a dry crust with peace. That theme has been repeated over and over and over again. And we've talked a lot about our quest for things in this world, what we really are looking for. Ultimately, when we start our lives, indeed, we are looking for the dream that has been placed before us that is supposed to be descriptive of a good life. But when you start going after these things, right, and you even get some of this stuff, you find that there are some other non-tangibles in life that draw you, draw you uh, more, and you really want them. But if you've misplaced your values, and if you sought, you know, the the temporal and the tangible, you might really destroy even your chances of creating exactly the kind of life that you really do want to live. Relationships are very important to God. Don't you know the whole of our lives is nothing but relationships. And if you don't have relationships, you're living a lonely, uh, withdrawn life. And there could even be a mental instability. We must have good relationships. And we want those to be peaceful. I think most young people look forward to a family of their own. They are looking for partners. And, uh, I, you know, that's the new contemporary word. Really and truly, you don't just want, a, you, you want a partner for sure. But you really want lifetime commitment, pretty much, if you're stable yourself. Excuse me. And so if you quest and, you know, start to share your life um, on the basis of those things that you have acquired or money that you have, you may find that you don't have the kind of commitment from friends or uh, potential um, ma marriage partners that, that would make you really happy. So we want to really contemplate that thing. And if that's something that strikes you uh, and you really want to, you know, kind of deal with yourself in that, 
Just go back through the Proverbs. You'll be able to underline every one that has that exact exact theme. So OJ28, thank you for joining us <clears throat> as we're reading through Proverbs chapter 17 today. A wise servant will rule over a disgraceful son and a share uh, and inheritance among brothers. Absolutely. This is kind of, oh, I like to as a comment. Our homes should be places of peace where we can get away from the troubles of the world. You're right. I agree with you totally. The home is a sanctuary. It is the place where, of all places that you may go, one would expect that you have the joy and the peace that maybe you don't find in the marketplace or in the vicissitudes of your daily life. Um, so a, a crucible is for silver and a smelter for gold, but the Lord is a tester of the heart, and he does. Remember yesterday we talked very much about the Lord discerning the motives, all those things that we think that we are doing that are right, like, you know, a man's devices are pure in his own eyes, but God can see the heart. He knows exactly from where you're coming. He knows exactly what your motives are. And so whatever we do, if the motive is wrong, if it's an evil motive to attain more attention, more um, uh, to build ourselves up in pride or, you know, to uh, kind of swindle our way into uh, the status of the world and to be accepted amongst those who have status just so we can have a bit of clout and power. We have to know that God is not pleased with pride at all. And so the more you do it, you see, the more he will test your heart. Now, as a believer, I don't believe you're going to get away with it too long because the Holy Spirit is always there to guide, direct, and to, to let us understand and know. So I'm going to just skip through a bunch of these. The one who mocks the poor insults his maker, and one who rejoices over disaster will not go unpunished. You know, God is taking all of this very seriously. It is okay for us, perhaps, to walk past uh, the place of poverty and to see people in dire need. But the Lord is watching us do that. He has ordained that we should be those who give the poor relief. However, he guides and directs you to do that. Definitely teaching them about the Lord, <clears throat> passing on knowledge. You know, uh, we read a proverb that says, a wise person disperses knowledge. And where does knowledge come from? It does indeed come from the Holy Spirit. So when we are sharing, you know, amongst the poor, one thing the poor, some of them really need is an understanding of how to um, obtain good employment, you know, and to work into a lifestyle. They might need education or training of some sort, but God is looking at that, that. He really does pay attention to it. And when we don't pay attention to it, we are definitely um, being, being, you know, kind of, guarded by the Holy Spirit that he's going to he's going to bring that to your attention. So uh, like touch says, we may go through things to purify and grow us up in our thinking and motivation. Our thinking and our hearts are refined by the Holy Spirit. All is absolutely. It really is. So remember, we do not mock the poor. We don't. And we are never happy 
when um, something happens that uh, really is disastrous to another human being or disastrous to a community or a nation. We don't rejoice in that. That's not a good thing, you know? And what we really want is that the Lord will speak and be present so that people grow and know him. Um, so we go on down to verse six. I like this one because I have grandchildren and grandchildren are the crown of the elderly and the pride of sons is their father. Now, we've heard a lot about uh, fathers, you know, the sons being, you know, the, the, the joy of the mother and the father's heart. But here, the father is the pride of sons. Re really and truly a good parent is something that a, a son really needs. He really needs a good father. And, and daughters need good mothers. But definitely, the son needs a good father. The son's father is his pride. And when you are thinking about having children, having a family, you know, before you kind of get into it, or even if you're already into it, begin to talk to the Lord and ask him how to be a good parent. Better yet, think of how good God is to you. God is our father and he provides so much that we might be able to live and enjoy the benefits of his fatherhood to us. He gives to us discernment. He spends time with you anytime you draw near to the father. The Bible says he draws near to you. That's exactly exactly what you want to be to your son. And today, in today's world, there's a lot of talk about the failure of fathers. A lot of it, right? So what can we do to make sure that fathers are the pride of their sons? That fathers are turning their hearts towards their sons in such a way as they become the mentor, the one that the son aspires to be like. And by the way, the, the son looking at the father is looking also to God. So if you you as a father, you are loving and kind and you, uh, you're guiding and protecting and spending time with the child not only sees the father, sees you, but he also sees the attributes of God in you. And as you tell the child about God, the child will perceive God to be all that he is receiving. And of course, you are showing the child that God is so much more. Because in your faltering, we all do, we are not perfect. You will explain as well that you have faltered, but that God, our Father, your Father, is forgiving you because you are recognizing and giving uh, repentance for that. Yes, they should. And hopefully, many will take serious the call and actually do just that. Good evening, uh, lady. I'm going to change her name from Lady R to Lady M. For some reason, that came to me in my sleep this morning. <laughs> Sister Reams, my Lady M, God bless you for coming. And then we are on, now Sister Reams is going to love this one too. The verse six says, grandchildren are the crown of the elderly. I tell you, there's nothing like your grandchildren. I never knew it. I didn't have grandchildren until I was really already old. <laughs> it's terrible. 
And so I didn't have a vision or, you know, a sense about grandchildren. I didn't even know. But let me tell you how wonderful it is to live with grandchildren. I now have seven and uh, they range in ages from what? Um, uh, two, one, one year old to 22 years old. What a great spread. It's as if I'm enjoying every phase of my own children's upbringing again, but I'm much better at being this grandparent, I think, than ever I was as being a parent. I don't know. You know, we feel that way. Nonetheless, it is a crown and we are blessed. And the grandchildren uh, run to you, you know, hug you real tight and love you, love to come over no matter what the old shack looks like. They just, you find a place to play and run. It is beautiful. It's a wonderful season in life. And I thank God for it. So now we, you know, verse eight is talking about bribes again. Yeah. Um, it seems like a magic stone to its owner. And whenever, wherever he turns, he succeeds. But that's really not exactly right. That's not what we've been hearing. You shouldn't, um, you shouldn't take a bribe at all. And I'm going to really check the, the, I meant to do that earlier. I'm going to check now what the comment is on it and we will come back to it. Don't let me forget you guys. We have to come back to a verse, uh, what is that? Nine, eight, eight. So uh, whoever conceals offense promotes love, but whoever gossips about it, you know, this, these themes are being repeated. If you conceal, right, you're not going around broadcasting someone's wrongdoing. You do not become a bearer of uh, somebody else's business in terms of telling it, gossiping. It's not good. And this proverb says now you separate friends. Some people cannot even um, get ashamed to have a friend who has made some mistake which is in and of itself not a good thing, but that's what is happening here. So to conceal a matter is wisdom when the matter might be um, a blight against um, a person or, uh, uh, or it might divide friendships, right? Uh, verse 10, a rebuke cuts into a perceptive person more than a hundred lashes into a fool. Isn't that something? We've learned uh, uh, before. <clears throat> okay, <laughs> like Dutch says, she strives not to partake in gossip. Yeah, it, it is something that we shouldn't do. We really should not do it. Um, it's hard, <clears throat> excuse me, when you're around people who do gossip. But we learn just to, to hear and to forget. To hear, to forget, to make no comment to the detriment of the person being gossiped about or the situation, except perhaps to try and turn the um, thought uh, or turn the information into a, such, you know, to turn it so that the person who's sharing it will think twice about going further. So the, a rebuke. Now, remember, a wise man receives rebuke, but a scoffer will hate you for doing so. And here is the same thing, but in this one, <clears throat> rebuke cuts into a perceptive person. In other words, it impacts the hearer if they are wise. 
And it is better on that person than a thousand or a hundred lashes would be into a fool. Remember, a fool does not want to hear your a correction or any wisdom at all. The fool just wants to keep on in his own way. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. An evil man seeks only rebellion. A cruel messenger will be sent against him. There you have it. I mean, you know, these are very perceptive. And I, and I decided to read from the Holman Bible because it's in standard English, not very different from the King James, but the, the English is standard. And what I was doing was reading and trying to translate as I read when I remembered I had this Holman Bible that I, I you know, I, I kind of like it uh, because it doesn't really um, change the meaning as some of the translations do. So I like the, the Holman here and I'm reading it. So verse 12 says, better for a man to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool in his foolishness. Yet, you know, this whole idea about the, the fool, well, my gosh, we need to take, take heed and then ask the Lord when you are with a fool, because that fool is a dangerous person. A fool doesn't like to be challenged. <clears throat> a fool doesn't want to receive rebuke. A fool does not want to receive guidance. You see, the fool thinks that he or she knows everything, that they are right in all ways, and they are not going to change. And if you begin to speak to them about their wicked ways or, you know, their missteps, right, they will uh, lash out at you. How about that? A bear with that you've taken the bears come, you know, a bear would tear into you and tear you to pieces. So then, um, yeah, it's just not a good thing uh, to be with these fools or to try and, um, uh, you know, uh, meet a fool in his foolishness or be with the fool in his We This theme has been repeated over and over and over again in these 17 chapters. And I dare say we're going to run into it again because you see these uh, words of wisdom are particularly for our learning. These are not the blatant sins of our lives. This is not, you know, oh, I don't curse, I don't smoke, I don't murder, I don't hit. This is not the Ten Commandments. This is where the Ten Commandments take its root from. You know, thou shalt not steal. Well, if I never take anything off your desk or take anything from a store, have I stolen by taking, um, you know, credit for someone else's work? Have I stolen by being um, uncharitable in, in the things that God has given to me? I don't give. Have I stolen from God when I hold back uh, my, my uh, understanding of his word from others who need it? There is so, much, so, so many different ways to um, assess our internal condition. And that's where God is moving in your heart. That's what he reads. You know, we have to get away from this new thing that is going on in, in the contemporary Christianity. And that, you know, we talk just right. We say just the right things. Our hearts, you know, we are trying to make people believe that we are really, really, really quite uh, different and very special. But it's always so noticeable when a person says all of this wonderful stuff, but then they 
are guilty in the ways that we've heard the Proverbs. They are not slow to anger. They anger very quickly. They are not um, kind in their giving to the poor or taking a regard for them because you know they don't ever go where the poor are. And their, um, their homes may have beautiful stuff every which way. You know, they may drive a Mercedes and they may pay $500 for their hairdo and far more than that for their clothing. But there is no sense about them in their day-to-day interactions with others that they bear the image of the redeemed. You see, God sees and he knows, and we can't hide as much as we think we can. So I am learning. It's being intentional about my responses and reactions to all things, assessing things by God's measure, measuring stick, his word, constant work. It is constant work. But you know what? After you do it for a while, it becomes your nature because we are being transformed into these new creations that God has made us. We are growing into it. Always think that the Lord is raising me just like you turned around and raised your child. And that uh, when he, when God brings rebuke or chastisement to you, take it. And then sometimes even fast and pray that the change in you will be realized. So I'm going on uh, to stop conflict with a flood. Okay, to 14. Oh, verse 13 says, if, if, if anyone returns evil for good, evil will never depart from his house. You know, David did that. Um, David took Bathsheba, right? He was king. You know, he had the power to do it. She probably didn't mind all that much, but I don't know that she would have said no, given that he was the king of Israel. Her husband was at war for the king. It was at war for David. And when he found out that Bathsheba was pregnant from his deed of adultery, he called. First, he tried, you know, he tried to fix it. You know, he tried to cover it up. He tried to conceal it. That's what he tried to do. And uh, when he couldn't conceal it because of the loyalty of her husband, isn't that amazing? He put him on the front line and the man was killed. And so... The Lord told David, now David, that wasn't all that he had done, you know, but God told David that um, that the uh, sword would never depart from his house because he had let so much blood. He would always have this, you know, conflict in his life. And then he was not allowed to build the temple, which he very much wanted to build to honor the God who had been so very good to him. And so Solomon got to do it, but David could not. However, David laid in store sufficient and gave Solomon the uh, instruction, and he did it. So, you know, we, we have to take these words serious. God is not a man that he should lie. If he says a thing, he's not doing what I do when I tell my son, no more, no more, and then there's more. No, when God says no more, no more, there is no more. Or if he says it will never depart from you, that's what he means. So we we do have to begin to get real serious with the Lord and uh, with his way so that we're not reaping a, a life that we don't want to live. 
you know, and for and forgiveness is there. But honest to goodness, who wants to, to live with the constancy of warfare or conflict? You don't. You really want to attain the peace that God gives and God alone. Of course, you'll get it because, um, you know, peace, I'll, you'll just get peace in the suffering. That's what that will be. <laughs> I'll just be um, in the suffering. Uh, but God gives you a, a particular peace that comes with knowing him. So um, acquitting the guilty and condemning the just, both are detestable to the Lord. And to all the judges in this land who are so biased against a certain kind of person because of their ethnicity. They think they're getting away, but woe be unto them because it is a detestable thing to be unjust and to penalize people for the very thing that they have absolutely no control over. God has made every man, every person, it's born black, white, yellow, red, or green, or whatever he's born, short, tall, fat, whatever it is. The Lord did it. No man does it. And therefore, if you are a biased human being, if you play favorites, the Lord God has a recompense for that. What is required of us, it is written in the book of Micah, but to do justice and to, you know, to show equity, all of this is a part of the rebirth of all people. And so we have to be very watchful, very careful. So um, why does a fool have money in his hand with no intention of buying wisdom? That's just cute. I like that one. Why indeed? <laughs> anyway, you don't need money to buy it because Isaiah 55 says, Ho, everyone that thirst come ye to the waters. Come and buy whatever you need without price. See, in God is everything that we have need of. And he is a provider of those that come to him. So why would a fool have this money in his hand, right? <laughs> why indeed, if you're not going to buy some wisdom, what do you need it for? Mm -mm. But we know that the, the fool is going to heap it upon his own lust. And in so doing, he will fall by it because that's the way of unrighteousness. So um, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a difficult time. That's it. Friends. In fact, there's one uh, one that says a friend uh, sticks closer than a brother. In the case of Jonathan and David, Jonathan was actually Saul's son, Saul was envious of David to the point of hating him. You see, Saul was a fool. and um, But his son knew and loved David. And Jonathan warned David many times of when his father was going to try to kill him. I think ultimately, Jonathan's life was lost being a friend to David. You have to read this story, but it's a good one. So friends love at all times. Now, you have to be careful when, when a person tells you they're a friend. You know, you have to judge a friend by God's definition. What is a friend? What, who is a friend? You know, we have many acquaintances, my mother would tell me. Have many acquaintances if you must, she said. But you only need one or two friends. She said, don't go around trying to make everybody your friend because everybody will not be your friend. So judge carefully discern by the spirit of God. And when the friend then is truly a friend, he will indeed 
stick closer than a brother. And a brother is born for a difficult time. So that friend is going to be like the brother. There is your simile right there. He's, he's like the brother for difficult times as well as good times. We have friendships and we want to go out and have a good time and laugh and do all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I guess that's good. But a friend bears down when you need them to bear down. So one without uh, sense enters an agreement and puts up security for his friend. We already talked about being surety for a friend. That's just not a good idea. Now, because you'll get left holding the bag as it is written. And I told you of my own um, lack of wisdom in doing that. Uh, a couple of times I've done it. Sometimes, you know, I've done it. Well, have I actually done that? Well, I've loaned money, right? And depending on who you loan your money to, you know, it'll come back or it might not. So I, I, I'm i always prepared to give. I, I try not to loan because, you know, I do loan if it's a large amount or something I really cannot afford. And then I pray that the person will be true to it. But if it's just, you know, if I'm just loaning somebody a little something from whatever, I'm not looking for it back. Really, I'm not. Because I've learned that it probably won't come back. You know what I mean? And um, and I don't want to be disappointed, you know, if I, if I need money. So if someone asks me to borrow and I really don't have it to give, I'm apt not to not to loan it. You see what I'm saying? So um, that's such a thing. Um Without good sense, you know, you enter into agreement. And that's like standing as a um, a second in someone else's purchase. You know, uh, you can do it for homes. You can do it for cars. You can do it for businesses. You do it for, you know, large sums of money and can get uh, left behind. That's all right. <clears throat> one who loves to offend loves strife, you see. And one uh, builds a high threshold, invites injury right so when you 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 love to for you people are always saying there are some folks who seem like they were born that way and i'm saying lord well if that's their natural way how do you call them like you know they're very witty and in the wit in their wit they are casting a an offensive uh view of someone else you know, in, in company, you say a little thing and they say a thing that is really offensive. Yeah, yeah, I've been around those people and I'm telling you, it's a hard thing to do because they're laughing, but you're sitting there saying, well, dude, why would you ever say such? Why did you say that? And I think in, in a lot of cases, it's a deflection. They really don't want you to see them. So they keep making you look negatively at someone else. But that's not a good thing. And when you have such a high standard, oh, yeah, oh, that was good, but, you know, that was good, but. Now, I told you, I can, I'm a critic. I, I have a critical eye. And um, I think it's because, I don't know, because maybe I criticize myself a lot. You know, I, I don't see my, my so anyway, I have, the, I have a certain standard. However, what I noticed about me with regards to other friends who critique the same thing that I would critique is that my standard is really different. So my eye then is not nearly as critical. It's not even critical uh, now that I think about it with regards or in comparison to someone whose standard is sitting up on the shelf way up yonder and uh, anybody who doesn't reach it then are not worthy, you see? So 
my critical eye has more to do with um, things that are easily fixed, uh, you know, organization, like, um, you know, because I'm in the theater, that, that I'm really kind of talking about that. But we want to broaden it so that it includes all life. When, when um, you know, I was in, in high school there, uh, and even in elementary school and teaching kids, you know, um, if a child stumbles over something, I am quick to help that child know that the stumble does not negate the effort or the accomplishment. But um, some teachers will say, oh, you won't even let them finish. Sit down, get out of the way. So it's that kind of thing I'm talking about. Now, if I watch the, those same children in a performance and um, the teacher didn't get them to do the standard that, you know, makes makes for a public um, presentation, then I I would definitely want that teacher to know that because it's not then the child's fault. It's the teacher's fault or the choreographer, whoever did it. But nonetheless, this, this uh, proverb is saying when you have such a high threshold, such a, you know, it's so high that nobody can attain to it but you, that is not good. So one with a twisted mind will not succeed, and one with deceitful speech will fail, fall into ruin. Yeah, mm, we all know a twisted mind, and we do know deceitful speech. So that one is self-explanatory. A man fathers a fool to his own sorrow. Oh, don't you know? And the father of a fool has no joy in constant, yes, questioning. A joyful heart is a good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. We have spoken to that already. And a wicked man secretly takes a bribe to subvert the course of justice. Yes. So I wonder if verse, where was it? Verse eight, a bribe seems like a magic stone to its owner. Wherever he turns, he succeeds. Well, maybe he's thinking he's going to succeed because here we know that the bribe is not a way to justice. And we know that God requires of us justice. Uh, wisdom is the focus of the perceptive, but a fool's eyes roam to the ends of the earth. Wisdom is the focus of the perceptive, the fool's eyes. Can you imagine that just has a, a, an image? I can just see um, a, a person being far more concerned with the um, that which is so distant and probably not quite as attainable, but a person of perception with wisdom focuses on what is nearer and attainable. And so that's one to uh, kind of meditate on. A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to the one who bore him. Mother and son, we have already talked about that. Again, self-explanatory. It is certainly not good to find an innocent person or to beat a noble for his honesty. Absolutely. You know, you run into innocent people. And uh, like I, I was given, <laughs> this is funny, when I first moved to this place where I live, there are a lot of what they call jug handles, right? And um, you can't make a, a left turn. So to make a right turn on a, a, a fairway, almost every street, you have to go to a, a an exit and then 
draw the jug handle over and across the street and then make the left turn. So now where else in the world is that but where I am here? So sometimes, you know, I got the jug handle down, but sometimes you have to do a double jug handle. So you go to the exit, you make the jug handle, you cross back over the, the both sides of the street, and you have to yet make another jug handle to make that and come back down into the left lane. So you couldn't make the left turn. Okay, so I'm just here. It was dark. It was dreary. It was uh, cold and rainy. And the sign giving that direction, I never saw it. You know, one sign is above the light, there's narrow and little. And the other one was on the side of the road, but the traffic was very heavy. And so I made a left turn. I made the first jug and I turned left. Uh, somebody in front of me did the same thing. I got a ticket for that. I was fine. I went to court. It was a big fine too, like 250 or $300. It was crazy. I, the judge asked me, are you guilty? And I said, no. <laughs> Well, um, <laughs> I did make the left turn on a single jug there. But to me, the township is guilty for ever even devising such a stupid thing. And then um, making the signs so small that in that kind of weather, you would be expected to see it. Isn't that something? So I think that I was treated quite unjustly in that regard. Now I give you a personal um, example there, but I'm sure that you can come up with other uh, examples. You find innocent people because it, that, that, you know, make them pay money for something. And then on the other hand, you're beating someone who is honest. You, you, you don't even accept the honesty. Both are kind of equal, right? And this is really what can happen in our justice system. It can also happen in your everyday uh, interactions with people, perhaps at your job, perhaps in your neighborhood, you know, you uh, make people responsible for their innocence in a matter instead of perhaps searching out a thing. Yes, the jug handles are crazy, very, very, um, very um, confusing. When you don't, when you can't read the sign, you know, you, I don't like to jug anyway, but nonetheless, can you imagine living in a, a town or a state where you can never make a left turn? I, I'm just like, <laughs> I am so, and yet they will have circles and people, people turn to the, uh, on the left side of the circle and, and join the street. And, and where I come from, you have to take the circle. You really do have to go around the circle to get off of it because otherwise you're turning into into um, the traffic of the of the people who are coming off the circle. So it's all very strange here. Nonetheless, it's that's how it is, and, and I've learned to kind of handle it. So the intelligent person restrains his word, and one who keeps a cool head is a man of understanding. So you can see. You know, uh, the the idea of the cool, as used here in this contemporary world, is, uh, you know, something that is, you know, trendy or something that is, um, oh, you know, a, a direction of the world. Somebody has that thing down to a science, you know, the swagger is just right, etc. But the Bible says that cool is definitely a reference to how well we are able 
to restrain and hold our anger and to express out of deliberate thought and understanding. And I got to just go ahead and do it. Uh, the, this word cool is out of the Black experience in America, the African-American experience, right? And it originates from Africa. And we, you know, everybody now says cool. But when I was coming up, everything wasn't cool. It isn't that, you know, oh, this is cool. The guy's wearing a, the, just the right coat or, you know, saying just the right, well, whatever, I don't know. It had to do with a person who was level-headed and prepared in every situation. So that was a cool person. Now everybody and their uncle is cool, whether they are, are, are crazy or drunks or whatever, you know, out of, out, of, out of whatever. It's just not the same. But here the Bible has clarified, one who keeps a cool head is a man of understanding. And even a fool is considered wise when he keeps silent. He discerns when he ought to shut up. <laughs> when he should seal his lips. So the verse 17 is great. I love it. It was it's really from the Holman Bible, very easy to understand. Yes, and a repeating of several things that we have already gleaned from as we have read, read through the previous 16 chapters of the book of Proverbs. It's a glorious thing. The Lord has spoken to us. He's guiding and directing us. And those of us who are here, who've heard most of these chapters, uh, are, are attesting to the fact that the Lord is doing great and wonderful things in us. I just love it. This morning, I thought I was going to feel very awkward being around some folks who uh, are not always, you know, um, you know, I don't know, open and as I sat and I thought, oh, I prayed, you know, Father, let me just hold, hold myself in this um, company of these people. And uh, the Holy Spirit just came to me. And while I was waiting to do the work that I had to do, he, he reminded me of my French lessons on YouTube. So I took my phone out and while I was setting up, I listened to a good old French lesson, the conjugation of uh, some verbs, R-E verbs, um, verbs, I'm sorry. And then um, I, I, was, I was just in a different place. It was so wonderful. And there was such, you know, uh, calm and coolness in the, in the environment. It was good. Everybody can't possibly be cool. You're right, but child, let me tell you, that was one, one lady I knew and everything and everybody was oh, cool. Cool, cool. You know, the word was always used. <laughs> and I thought that it was I being directionally impaired. It's a double jug handle on our state. Yeah, it's crazy. It's not, you know, we should really petition and, and get rid of those things because they make a lot of money off of off of the unsuspecting. Who, who comes from anywhere where they're, I, I'll bet if I researched it, this would be the only state in the union or the whole nation that does such a thing. Um, it's really good. So we've had a good time, I have anyway, reading these uh, Proverbs this morning. The themes are very familiar now. And if you didn't get a few of them dug down deep 
you you you're gonna get them because the Lord is not playing around. He is repeating those wisdom things, and we will get it. Thank God. Yes, seventeen is gold. Another powerhouse chapter. Hallelujah. Great day, everybody. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Indeed. And remember, we have dined at a great table. This table is set by God himself, and he knows the food we need to become the nourished people that he has called us to be. May he be praised and blessed. And I ask the Lord to fill you to overflowing with the joy of knowing that you have a father who cares enough and who will never leave you barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of himself. The Lord bless you wherever you are in the world today. And God willing, no more today. We'll see you in the morning at 9 a.m. We will indeed at that time read chapter 17. May God bless you now. Thank you for coming.